Welcome, Sojourners. You have found yourself a cozy place in Sojourners Awake. I'm Jonathan, and this is our production of The Bookish and the Brave. Like you, the Sojourners are on a mission, and they face conflict, sometimes even danger. The light at the end of the tunnel might seem far away, but nevertheless, they press on with their bookishness and their bravery. In this production, the Sojourners most recently discovered an ectoplasm disguised as books. Upon further investigation, they discovered that many pilgrims had bought in these books. And the question now lies, if the pilgrims brought them in even unknowingly, are they held liable for the actions and the consequences thereof? What will the Sojourners discover, and where will this mystery take them? And so for now, our story continues. We'll see ya. Realizing that he is barking up the wrong tree and feeling completely dismissed, you are now free to accomplish your tasks and mission. Philo, of course, is in your custody, Vaughn. How do you proceed, Hawkins? Um. I would imagine that it's finding room 41 isn't quite as simple as just, you know, finding it. Um, so he'll go to somebody for help pretty much right away. Um, Young lady with an enormous stack of books and a small chair that's following her and keeps trying to have her sit down and she's balancing them and whoa, 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 whoa. And then she dumps them over on top of you and they magically spin, suspend in the air, forming an arc. And they begin like singing in chorus ah, and she just leading the procession just dancing back and forth and then they all stack up on top of each other like a stack of pancakes and she just laughs and continues walking along uh, excuse me oh do you want to encore uh, um, maybe we're a little bit busy at the moment oh um, everyone's always too busy at all top I'm sure that's the case. Could you point me in the direction of room 41? Room 41, it's right after room 40, up the stairs. Uh, okay, just just one flat? Oh yeah, totally fine, just right up there. And she points that direction. All right, thank you, ma'am. All right, see ya, bye. And the books just chant, bye, 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 all mimicking her voice, of course. So up he goes. Room 41 is open and you walk inside and no one's there, though it smells of tobacco smoke, cigars. Obviously, someone had taken the time to puff a couple while in here. Um, a lot of dust in this room. Um, not quite as organized. Books still left upon the table. Um, hmm. I think Hawkins will first look through the books that are already out, just reading the titles to see if anything um, looking Sterling's comment at the end was seemed particularly insightful. So looking for um, focusing on hunger um, before glyphs and that kind of thing. Sterling, what are you doing? Sterling is um, watching um, Philo react to Vaughn 
um, and now he's kind of going over what the guy has said and the comments he's made and he's just kind of um, trying to get like an insight into what he was thinking whether or not he was telling the truth just kind of trying to understand this kid a little bit more what he's there for um, those things too okay he takes a moment how how close does Vaughn keep an eye on this how, how intent are you while you're in this room Vaughn oh yeah I'm I'm right on him. Yeah, he's okay. Like, he, yeah. he, do, he doesn't feel comfortable just completely opening up to Sterling then. Uh, so I would say right now, you can make a very difficult insight check. It's it's going to be a high risk, high reward though. 21. Ooh. Okay. Uh, you gather that he doesn't seem like the killing type. He is incredibly terrified that he is going to get put away for murder. And and it takes you a really long time to gather all this information. The entire time you are just focusing on studying his mannerisms and trying to profile him. But you are successful, but completely occupied during this entire time. Vaughn, what are you doing? Uh, Vaughn is going to... uh keep an eye on Philo. He's going to be very close to him, and he's going to say, if you did nothing wrong, Philo, you have nothing to be afraid of. But as we figure out what happened here, and since it was your book, you're going to stay with us for a while. And he's going to uh, he's going to have Philo go pick up his book and bring it along with us as we as we figure out what's going on. The remains of the the book ah okay so indeed that had occurred previously and he is now holding the tattered remains the corner of the book and now it's got a large bolt straight through it it's pretty well ruined um but still in quite a condition the young man just looks at it now just holding it with sweaty hands realizing that and one decision point led up to this. Hawkins, uh, you're the only one going through the book, so I'll have you make an investigation check. Disadvantage, because he's having trouble keeping his eyes open. Ah, dehydrated. Um, that is 21. Okay, wow. So normally it would take you, even on a good day, to go through with all of these books, but you've mastered the art of skimming. <laughs> so you are indeed successful and I'll let you describe the results. But what you discover is that there are a couple of ancient rituals, very much outlawed in taking these aberrant spirits from the world beyond and convincing them to possess common everyday mortal objects. Oftentimes, they're sold upon the black market to unsuspecting buyers. And of course, are only activated, as you can attest to, when they need to replenish their energy sources. One of the quickest energy sources is any living thing. Vaughn and Sterling, you watch as Hawkins just burns through page and page and page of books, handing them, moving them from one side of the table to the other. 
And in a very surprising and lucky amount of time, for the sun has just gone down, small candle being lit to provide light in this room, Hawkins' eyes struggling to stay open. Hawkins, you realize the truth. Oh, hey, uh, this this sounds like what might be going on here. Uh, it says that there could be uh, some some aberrant spirits that can be sort of bound to books or, or anything, really. Um, it kind of sounds like what's going on here. Uh, it doesn't say that they the items transform necessarily, just that they uh, can uh feast i guess i'll say when they need to uh now there's not any indication that uh that philo here necessarily knew what was going on that this item was uh was cursed by ging watsons uh but it you know it's hard to say i it sounds like kind of high level magic really to to do this to put this curse on a book to, to bind one of these spirits. Uh, I'm Vaughn, I'm inclined to think that he didn't do it and maybe even uh, somebody slipped him this book or, or gave it to him, you know, nefariously or other or otherwise. Well, Philo, how did you get the book? He goes to speak and says, I, I bought it at the black market in Boshan. It was shame in his face that he would go so low in such the seedy lower city as the black market and purchase an item at, you know, a, a risky, less than reputable location. His shame finally fills up his face and he finally confesses it out at that moment when the book comes alive. For Vaughn, you got your answer. And then he, the boy just looks up and says, feed me. The creature attacks. 15 to hit the young man. And the book slaps onto him. Vaughn, you have a split second to respond. Vaughn's gonna punch again. He's gonna try to, try to smack it off of him. Okay, here's what's gonna have to happen. You're gonna have to beat a 15. Okay. You will hit the creature, but to save the young man, a 15. How about 22 to hit? You save his life. Please take it away. So Vaughn, as soon as Philo says, feed me, Vaughn's eyes get real wide. And he just smacks the book out of his hands. Gets between the book and everybody else. Sword drawn. The book splatters and you can see it's trying to now reform and it's going back and forth between book form and this jello ectoplasm form, this liquid mercurial energy. It's trying to reshape and find another victim. Hawkins will try to uh, rush around it out into the hallway. And if he can get there, he'll shout for Kalan. You hear the footsteps of Kalan come rushing up Kalan, in here. The book, it, it's its transforming. Ah, and Kalan for sure sees it with his own eyes. Oh, oh my, this is, 
That, that's the thing that attacked you. Same book. Is that what you bought, Philo? Philo nods, panicked, his back up against the wall. He looks at you, Vaughn. I am not authorized to make this decision. This thing is in your jurisdiction. I was never here. And he performs a simple spell on Philo. Philo's eyes go a little blank and he blinks his eyes and he says, was someone in here? Kalan walks away, leaving you to decide the fate. Uh, Vaughn will, if he can, if he can act in a an aggressive way, he will walk over to the book with his, or run over to the book with his short sword and just jam it right through the entire book. Slicing true with total advantage, you hack this thing into tiny little bits until there's little pools of mercury trying to coalesce and form together. You separate them and they finally disappear to smallest, smallest drops. They evaporate until there's no book left, no evidence. And more importantly, the Gingwatsum is gone. Hawkins, you hear a small shriek of agony, of death in your head, right as this creature attempts to coalesce one last time, but is unsuccessful. Philo slinks to the ground and puts his head in his hands at the thought that at his poor purchase, at least one life has been taken today. The sun is now set and each of you realize with Kalan's stepping away, the authority and the power have been granted to your indigo robes. You are indeed a bookend. Hawkins, Sterling, Vaughn, how do you resolve this situation? Vaughn is going to walk over to Philo and pick him up off the ground and look him in the eyes and say, you made a very bad choice purchasing that book on the black market. There were lots of books. They had lots of things and it wasn't cheap. And it wasn't even a book. What was that thing? I don't know. What did I bring into Baltop? Well, you saw what you brought into Baltop, but I do believe you didn't know. Uh, although you made a very bad choice to make this happen. Yeah, it was a very bad choice. Vaughn's going to look at Hawkins and Sterling and say, I don't think he will make this mistake again. And he'll look him in the eyes. And then he'll look back at Hawkins and Sterling and say, I do think that Philo intends good here at Baltop. And they'll look him in the eyes. And then he'll look back at Hawkins and Sterling and say, I think maybe we let the others know that the situation has been settled and that Philo is not responsible. And then he'll look him in the eyes again, but this time he'll just stare into his eyes for for several seconds. Like, uh, 
don't prove me wrong or I will do to you what I did to that book. Yeah, and he's unable to match your gaze. He quickly looks down at the floor. Sterling will walk over to him, put his arm around him and say, it's okay. I know you didn't expect that to happen, but hey, look on the bright side. You've you've set up a new procedure and protocol for us to follow on every book that came in. Now, you said that there's a lot more books out there at the black market, and so we'll be more on guard. So this shouldn't happen again. And it's uh, you know it, it's a sad day and it's a sad thing, but hey, the future of Boltob is looking brighter. So, in a way, thank you. Glad to have created a problem, so you could solve it. It's not much a sword and Vaughn can't solve. Oh, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, Philo, uh, could you write down everything you remember about making that purchase? Any people you talked to, where you went? I know Boshan's not really the same now as it was a year ago or or whenever you bought it. Uh, That has changed a lot in the last year, I guess. I, I did. I, I, I'll write that down. But I was just there three weeks ago. Um, it was the lower city. Um, it was. Uh, I mean, I was. I, I wasn't supposed to be there, so I, I was trying to just get in and get out. Uh, the place was just rife with violence. Um, it was a small tent, but what I noticed about the tent, it had a like an A drawn into it, like painted on it. But the tent itself was very mobile. They could have easily packed up within a day or... I, I, I don't think I remember exactly where I was, but it was the lower city. Um, what's left of it, at least. And then the, um, the guy who sold me the book, uh, he, was, um, he was trying to make the deal very quickly and he kept raising the price um, so I had to pretty much give him everything I had. Somehow he knew how much money I had. He was said exactly the amount that was in my pocket. Um, he was very, he's a very hairy person. I remember that very overlarge beard, lots of hair. Um, I think they had a dog. I'm not sure. That's really all I remember. And he has it written down just like a witness able to write and speak at the same time. One of the well-trained arts even you three have practiced in. He hands you that information. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we don't necessarily need to report this up to anybody, um, but if you wouldn't mind warning you know, people that are close to you to stay away from this kind of situation. There's just, I, now I understand your desire to get into Bald Top Library. I, I understand that. Um, but you know, wisdom is one of the the virtues here. It's not just knowledge, but also wisdom. Do you think they'll let me stay? That that book was my price of admittance. I, I think the information in the book. I mean, we kind of destroyed it a little bit, but I think the information in the book was still valid. I don't know that it was really worth much look kind of like garbage to me but uh it was still information i don't that hasn't invalidated anything about your admittance as far as i'm concerned so what do i say to my friends um just don't don't do dumb things i guess i don't know (laughs) as much as you as much as you feel like telling them 
you don't have to go spilling your guts to everybody, but as much as you feel like killing them, uh, just, you know, the more wisdom, the more you can share the wisdom that you have acquired from this situation, the better off we'll all be. And go prove that us making this choice for you is not a bad one. All right. So I'm free to go. Yes. Good, because I'm technically not allowed in this level. And he quickly runs down the stairs and exits well beyond the library back into the court of air. Not bad for an eye on that one. That's a good idea, but not bad for a first day. I figured we'd get it at least a week or two to learn our way around this new area. I don't even know how to get back down to the to the ground floor. The stairs where you don't have to step, guys. It's perfect for you. You don't have to exercise at all. <laughs> you know, make a survival check, Hawkins. Down? Why would you want to go down? We can go up and look out at the sea. Disadvantage, five. Five. You go the wrong way for a while. Um... As you know, Skoda wears the orange robes, one of the only few. Um, you are currently on the green level. All of the masters and the teachers, Sylvia included, exercise on this level. You notice something about your robes. Though they once were indigo, they are now green. You also have each been given a ring in which you can activate the ring and issue the sonar frequency of indigo, which is 450 hertz. The three of you can only hear this or the wearers of that ring. It can be sent in somewhat of a Morse code, though it is not a perfect form of communication. It can be somewhat of a communication in a time of need. You are lost on the green level. Uh, you do see that there is a young, a young hinfolk man. His hair is unkept. Uh, he's got a couple of books stacked up next to him, and he's sitting in the hallway. And he is just humming some music, trying to write words to the song. Millil, if you're out there, I believe that. You have the words I need to, to, to gain the heart of my lover. Heart, heart, he gets right there. Heart of my lover. And then he takes up his lyre and begins plucking a tune. Heart of my lover. Something about my mother. No, he scratches through it. No, this is not working out. He sees the rest of you walk up and stumble upon him and excitedly looks up and says, Oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know you were listening. <laughs> was it good? Were you inspired? It was good. I would uh, try and keep your mother and your lover as far apart as, as possible. Um, but you could say there could never be another or something like that. Another. Oh, it rhymes with lover. And then bro brother, does that work? No, that didn't work. What's with your family, mate? Just you're talking to the love of your life. I, I, no, no, actually, that was that was good. That was, uh, sit, sit down. And he like, wait, wait. I think I think you're my muse. 
Sit, sit, sit down, Sterling, and he just waits for you to speak. Uh, what other words are coming to your mind? Hawkins and Vaughn, you have a moment while Sterling and this young man are caught in this awkward juxtaposition of poetry. So I want to hug her. Um, uh, yeah. Um, not shove her. No, that's not good. Um, Hawkins, I'm going to find somebody that can get us out of here. Thank you. Sterling, you quickly catch up after passing off a couple of words of wisdom to this young man. And he's like, this is good. No, wait, 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 wait. Where are you going? We could um, we could work together. Um, hi, uh, I'm Tread. Nice to meet you. Hi, Tread. Um, yeah, uh, that sounds good. Uh, maybe not today. He's got a lot going on, but um, oh. soon. And he looks down at his purple robes and looks up at your green robes and says, um, <laughs> I lost track of time and space. I probably should be getting myself. Um, he shoves a book under the door jam. Um, just yeah there you go just wax on that like how whenever you're thinking about her you lose time and space that's that's good oh Love gosh that. that's good and he looks up at you hopefully and says do you think she'll do you think she'll like it do you like it i i don't even know i like her that's well, why i go. came here that's why i came here is to get the perfect song to win her win her heart uh she's back in my town in Fandolin, and i i just I'd do anything to, she said one time that she thought um, she's with this bard came through town and he, she just talked about how lovely his voice was and he could sing. And she was like, I would, oh, I love it if a, if a man would sing to me. And oh, just, I have to get her heart. Sounds like you're on the right path with the song and the story. Man, I think you're in a good place. The story, what story? about coming to Bold Top. Man, this shows effort. You're putting in work to win our heart and think, uh, yeah, I think, man, you've got something good there. I, I could just tell the story of, of, that I love her. Sterling, we need to move on. Once was a man went to Bold Top to try and win Sterling. his love. Oh, oh, sorry, yes. And he reluctantly you are ushered away and he follows in like suit trying to keep up with you and uh just all along as soon as you leave this spire at the purple level he's just singing along chanting with sterling never be apart win heart lover never another this is turning out to be a oh it's nighttime okay i have to go thank you um uh master thank you master St sterling assuming you are a teacher oh it's my pleasure and then he wipes his eyes and says oh i'm sorry you're a bookend I, I i i thought i saw a green robe i'm so sorry must be the dehydration lack of food lack of sleep <laughs> and heart sick love could say you were green with envy yes i could and he looks down at his pencils completely burnt to a nub he rushes away to restock, replenish his supplies at the Bald Top Brew. Out of the shadows, you hear a dragonborn chuckling. <laughs> well, bookends, <laughs> as you can tell from ancient evils trying to invade our precious vaults of treasure and 
lovesick henfolk. It's never a dull day here at Vault Top, huh? I would say so. I mean, it's only day one. Let's see how tomorrow brings. It's not the only book. There was uh, two others brought in. Seems to be activated about the same time. One of our Archmages took care of the other, and the third, we actually have it in a safe location. Tried not to slash it to bits. His dragonborn teeth are pronounced, and he begins to scratch at his scales, and I never liked these robes. Not really fitting for my skin. I, we, want you to track down who is manifesting these books. Given the right amount of power, you could turn it into a letter, a package addressed to anyone important. If it gets into the wrong hands at the wrong time, and the one that bit you, you said Hawkins had bit you, Avon, could you tell how potent was its damage? Well, certainly sucked a whole lot of energy out of me real quick. I'd imagine that uh, if I hadn't been training and, and out adventuring and that sort of thing, I, it probably would have done me in. So if I wanted to send a care package to one of the Elythria tribes, maybe one of the Baronesses, and then I wanted to hide the evidence, I could pull something off like that pretty simple, you'd say? Yeah, I reckon so. Is that something you intend to do? If I can dream it, more nefarious minds could achieve it. It's very dangerous magic, my friend. It almost knocked me over as well when it bit me. I almost fell. Do you think this Philo is just a random chance? A a stroke of luck that we found this creature? Or do you think he's on a more expeditious mission? I don't think it's a stroke of luck. We found it because somebody died. Yes, it is unfortunate. Um, Allow me to assume you understand what I meant. We discovered something without a more powerful, important, influenced person found it first. The young man that died, of course, was one of the witnesses, uh, training to be a master. He's been here a while. We will have a proper funeral for him. Uh, I'm going to enjoy working with you, Vaughn. Thank you. Who are you? This would be Skoda Bookworm, the master reader. Hey, um, Mr. Bookworm, sir. Um, who do we report to around here? Have you noticed anything about your robes? Yeah, they, they changed color. Based on the level you're in. Something that is actually Miriam's idea. She designed the bookends to play all the colors of the rainbow. To be who they need to be. To do what they need to do. Uh, Though you don't really report to anyone except the mission of Balta. Yeah, I'm not your handler. (laughs) But I do know your next mission. So you don't actually report to anyone at any time unless we tell you to report that person. You take that step and you move on to the next. And this keeps the bookends in sort of a 
shadow operation. That way, not any one person here at Bald Top can claim the control of the bookends. They were designed to be elusive. So as much as I would like you to carry out my personal endeavors and missions, I probably won't ever see you again. <laughs> That's going to make it hard for us to work together, isn't it? Well, when we do, your reminders that every life is precious will resonate through my dragonborn ears, and I will learn something from your life, Mr. Vaughn. Do we have record of who brought in those other two books that were found? Absolutely. If, uh, if you could get us that information or tell us who, who can provide it, I'm sure you're very busy. But uh, that might help us, uh, you know, find a common source or that sort of thing. Easy enough. If you want to track them down, here are the three names. You've met Philo, of course, Ricard, and Sheila. They're both witnesses that have all been graduated within the last month or two. They've only been here for a short amount of time. You can find any one of them at the Bald Top Brew. That's very helpful. Thank you, sir. Here are their room numbers, and here's an access to their bedrooms if you need a key. This is quite a lot of power given to three new initiates into the bookends. I hope that we can live up to this uh, expectation. If you are successful, I simply hope you get to live. For good work is hard to come by these days. And it's harder to keep. If I had known I'd be this important, I would have given a better speech. Let your actions prove louder than your words, Sterling. Thank goodness for that. The night sky overlooks the library. And now you can see that this wonderful, cozy city of libraries and studies and homes and hamlets and apartments and spires and towers. And even deep beyond, you can see that the city goes up, up, up closer to the edge of the Mavi Ocean, where the final parapets and citadel walls of white overlook the Mavi Ocean to the west. Here, the more illustrious mansions, the more shimmering magical wards light up in the night sky, like candles upon a birthday cake. And yet you are issued your quarters as you now have your own very own apartment next to one of the libraries of the Orange Blossom Garden. You are given your apartment uh, and it is a personal apartment, a small studio for each of you. And with your mission, with no clear time or date, in a very elusive and enigmatic way of accomplishing your task, the weight of your authority and responsibility hangs heavy on your shoulders. You turn in for the night, in the morning you feel like a level three character. Hawkins sleeps hard and long um, as a result of his having been desiccated um, and uh, that extra sleep in the in that extra sleep he had a dream where he unlocked the last piece to to finish the technology that he's been working on for his arrowheads so he's put the last piece together and now he's got uh he has the ability to make three different special types of arrowheads that he can 
you know, shoot at Will. He'll keep a few of them around. And Sterling, what do we notice that is different about you? So after his encounter with the uh, the guy writing a song, he's actually got that in his head. And so he's sitting down working on his own little song about his story coming to Bolt Up. Um, but other than that, he's just, he's feeling a little bit more um, that, uh, that the swing in the quarterstaff is good, but it's not gonna like get him where he needs to be. Um, so he's uh, trying to um, like tap into that more raw energy and power side that he's felt before, but not really had a whole lot of control of. Um, and so that's why he's, you know, when he's not writing down his little thoughts on a piece of paper, he's really trying to um, work on that. And Vaughn, what is different about you as you awake this morning? Vaughn, uh, because of the necrotic damage and how close to death he was getting bit by that book, uh, also gets into a very deep slumber. And in his dream, uh, he hasn't thought about them for months, but uh, both his dad and his brother are, are uh, very prominent in his dream that night. And in that dream, his father is fighting with his longsword and then turns to Vaughn and says, you should use this. And then kind of, as dreams do it, flashes to the next scene where his brother, he and his brother are, are hunting like they always did. And Vaughn is crouched down behind the bushes as close to the animal as he could be. But instead of holding his short sword, he's now holding his father's long sword. And his brother stands up and scares off the animal. And when Vaughn looks back at him to say, what happened? Uh, his brother just reaches out with the long bow and says, you should use this. And then he wakes up. So when he meets up with the guys the next morning, uh, they recognize that uh, he shows up with a long sword on his hip and a long bow over his shoulder. And uh, Vaughn looks at the guys and says, uh, well, I know that I'm no longer a steeple bottom, but I believe it's time for me to use these. And he touches the two weapons. Steeple bottom? You were, you're a steeple bottom? I was. You know, I thought, I thought you looked kind of familiar. I've uh, I've taken some deliveries to the Steeple Bottom Manor before. Um, are you are you familiar with Hawkins and Fletcher, makers of uh, arrows and and sundries? I recognize you, Hawkins, but as I had met you only previously as Henrik von Steeple Bottom, I kept that to myself because you know me as Vaughn, the monk from the monastery and not wow. as Hendrik von Steeplebottom, heir to the Steeplebottom family. I, I see what you were saying yesterday about not all the nobles being bad. You are a good man. And I, I, I'm so sorry what happened with your family. Thank you. That's, uh, that's quite a beautiful bow you mind if I take a look at it sometime? Of course you can. And uh, let's keep the steeple bottom stuff between us, please. <laughs> sure thing. If it took me over a year to find out, um, he, you certainly are 
tight-lipped about it, and that's that's just fine. What's his steeple button? His family uh, is uh, one of the the very powerful families, or was, in Boshin. Um, although, as as Vaughn said, he's kind of distanced himself from that. And that's that's just great. But uh, yeah, he's if he if he chose to use his name, he'd get reactions kind of like I do in in different places. Maybe not so much here at Bald Top, but if he went into Boshin and said, you know, threw around steeple bottom, he'd get some attention. That's why he's good at speaking and stuff. Okay, it all makes sense now. I'm glad you figured that out, Sterling. Now, you need to keep this between us as well. Oh yeah, mum's the wood. As you're walking through the Court of Air, there are a couple makeshift shops, small buildings, dedicating various works and crafts to the god Gond, king of the craft, the cog, the wheel, the mechanical functions of creation and the works of metal. The students are all showing off their various technologies and inventions. One of them has a small spring that opens up and opens up into another spring and the master readers kind of just scratch their head. And, well, what's the purpose? Well, it's a spring within a spring within a spring and then a small spring. And then after that spring uh, comes summer. And this is why we shouldn't mix art with, with, with science. This is ridiculous. Moving on. And there's a couple of things and that catch your attention. Um, there is no broomstick flyers allowed in the court of air. But coming back to the court of air, you see a little bit more wide-eyed and innocence, naivety among the pilgrims, especially. And they request the books to be brought to them. You see a young man researching demon summoning and how to tame them for services. You see one, one woman studying how to enchant and manipulate mines in order to sell products better to build her empire. You see another man trying to study the craft and the art of growing the perfect peach tree. All around Bald Top, and especially in this court of air, you see people having access to all kinds of information. And yet you know that this is only the tip of the hum, the hum of information that is locked away beyond just what you can see, given your access. Did you see what some of those folks have been studying? I, I, I can hardly believe that people can just come to the library and get access to some, some really dark information. I mean... It's one thing to have knowledge and to share it. And uh, who are we supposed to? I don't know. It, it seems like in like in there's an ethical problem somewhere in here. But I guess that's not really ours to solve. Wow. I think we can only respond to the actions. If we try to stop the learning, we will we will never accomplish any tasks. But 
we can respond to anybody using this knowledge for ill purpose. Yeah, we could also look at who's looking at the bad stuff and kind of keep an eye on them, you know? But I agree, yeah, there should be no... Um, if we're protecting wisdom, knowledge, and everything like that, then it's got to be freely accessed as well. Well, not freely, obviously, there's a price of admission, but, um, you know, it should be made available uh, to those who want it, and that's part of our mission. The three of you notice that Philo and the other two witnesses are standing around the entrance very awkwardly. They've got their bags packed and they are seem to be waiting for a horse and carriage to lead them out of the city. I don't think Vaughn cares if they're leaving. He's good with that. Sterling, as you look up to the skies this beautiful morning, you can see that on the horizon, a new sign is present. The fountain the chalice. The month of Fontan is now arrived as you begin your next adventure. And so for now, our story concludes. Every story comes to an ending, so for now we must conclude. Thank you for listening, Sojourners. Your attention will not go unrewarded, and we look forward to continuing this adventure. If you enjoy this background music and ambiance, then you should check out Tabletop Audio. Find them at www.tabletopaudio.com. And take the time to sojourn with us. For articles on playing your very own Dungeons & Dragons games, visit www.sojournersawake.com. And as always, may your story continue.